Resh Nun Vav. Where it says, Aseris Yimei Teshuva. And the left column there. We'll have um, a real short one. Left column, second paragraph. Lonnie, why don't you look on with Avi and then you'll come look on with Avram and Ken can look on with Mark and everybody will have them. Vaishnan Vav. Just a real short one at the beginning where it says Ad Kama right here. Yeah, left column. Ad kama shem yishtokek adam lihizkari fel Hashem yisbarach. To the amount that a person yearns to draw near to Hashem. Kein gorem teshuka bishamayim lakari vesa So too it causes a yearning in heaven to bring that person close. So just a one-liner from the Chidush Harim there that says a lot. And um, what I found interesting about it is that it says if to the amount that we yearn to be close to there, they, it produces a, a yearning in Shemayim to bring us close. And, and that means to me that it's not only our actions that bring us closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but if a person really longs to be close to God, and we have that feeling and that emotion and that, and that longing, then in Shemayim, and they, that actually creates a similar type of emotion, so to speak, to bring us near. And therefore, the Chorah, situations and opportunities or, or strength will be provided for us to actually bring us near. So not only what we do, but our feelings about being close to Shemayim causes a response as well and that is appreciated in Shemayim and then things will be done to bring that person closer to Hashem. Avi? <laughs> if, if that closeness, if that concept of being close to, to God is still something we're not certain what that means, it's almost like you have, it's not like, I don't know, it's uncertain what that means. Mm-hmm. Then I wonder what that, what kind of action that causes. I mean, you, you want, we all hopefully have a striving to be closer to God, but what that closeness is, at times you try to figure out what, it, what does it mean? What do, that, yeah, and, and that's a good question because it's hard to pin down what it means to be close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the truth is we don't really know what it means until we get to the next world where we experience that closeness. And here it's more of... Um, a relationship that we're striving for, we're, you know, we're aiming for, and a person, I would say, gets close to Hashem by, A, getting close to the Torah and the mitzvahs, and also getting close to Hashem's ways, or the ways that God acts, kindness and rachamim. And then also when one draws close to Talmidei Chachamim, that's considered to be as if, so to speak, one draws near to God. Not that they're any kind of intermediary, but those people have a certain special koach and godliness about them. So those are our ways. So ways for us to have an emotional attachment does come through our actions. So yes. Even when we're not certain what mm-hmm. that emotional attachment's going to be. Or right, not, right. It's still being shaped, actually. Right. 
You know, and the fact is that we could be very close and just not have an emotional awareness of it. The emotions aren't always an indicator of our of the real relationship we have with God. Well, I, I try to like the fact that when I assess at the end of the day, was every one of my actions, did, did every, right. did I have God? You know, when you really, again, for me right now, I'm still struggling with this concept of, of putting God in front of everything I'm doing in a day. You get so busy sometimes, you just right. you realize hours of You're still time. struggling with that, aren't you? <laughs> 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 I mean, so you, didn't, you didn't do that yet? So, so I don't know if that was meaning, you know, so that kind of closeness, uh, I'm hoping, you know, you're hoping always that you're working towards that goal. I think this is the motivation for that, which you said, that the person is trying to put Hashem in front of the, them and everything they do, like you yeah. said then the way to get there is, is to long for it and to really yearn for that relationship. If we're dry about that, we don't have a sense of passion or feeling about that, it's not really going to stick. And if we have a real yearning about being close to Hashem, that motivates us and helps that putting Hashem in front of us to, to be part of our daily life. Then, of course, the conviction about it helps us when we the, the, the motivation or the emotion runs dry, which they do, we don't just stop. Yeah. Then we're running on conviction and on dedication and on an amuna. Thank you, Rabbi. Sure. Yes, no? Could you read that one line again? Okay. Yeah, sure. Read it one more time. Ad kama Hashem ishtokeg adam lehiskari vel Hashem To the degree that a person yearns to draw near to God, so it causes a yearning in heaven to draw that person close. So if we have that down here, then that makes an impression in Shemaim. In Shemaim, they'll do something to draw us close. It means something up there. When he makes a These are swarm from where these particular right. excerpts come from. These are names of swarm that uh, this statement from the rim was extracted from. So where it says there, um, where is that Gimel? Yeah, I don't know who wrote that. Yeah. That's a safer where it came from. That's a compilation. Of what, Josh? Of his, the rim sayings? Of, uh, or Gareth? Of Okay, good. Thank you. You can leave now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sure. Now, just turn the page and take a look on the next page, Reish Nun Ches. On the right column, third paragraph, HaToseach Shar. Now this is an excerpt from one of the tefillos we say, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. HaPoseach Sha'ar Ladov Kebi Teshuvah. The prayer says that Hashem opens up the gate to those who knock in Teshuvah. So the Peshat would be if you knock on the gate in doing Teshuvah, that Hashem will open it up. And he asked the question, Vahalo, Sha'arei Teshuvah La'ulam Pesuchim. What are you talking about? The gates of Teshuvah are always open. You don't have to knock. You can kind of just walk right through. So we have a few gates that, if Chachamim say, were never closed. One of them is the gate of Teshuvah. Another one is the gate of Tears. So those gates are always open. So why are you knocking? Ella, shahashorim misrachavim. He says what it means 
Yes, they are open, but you make a wider entrance by knocking on the gate. And the word to open up could mean literally to open, open something up which is closed. Because the word pesicha can also mean to further open that which is already open. Like if I would say to somebody, can you widen that opening there, you know? I'd like to make that door a little wider. So that applies, he says here. And how does that done? That is by means of an awakening from below. And that's an important phrase in Hasidic Shrithat. It means when we do something to take the initiative to bring something about, it's called the Sarusa Dilatata. We have an awakening from below. Right? When Hashem uh, stirs it up from above, that's called the Sarusa Dilaila, an awakening from above. So the knocking on the gate, that refers to a Sarusa Dilatata, that we're making some kind of <coughs> initiative. We're doing something to try and bring ourselves into a, a closer relationship with Hashem. We want to do tshuva. We're taking the initiative to do tshuva. So what that does is it makes the gate wider. So what does that mean? Right. Let's say that you have an opening, right, but you can't get through. Right, that, you, know, you don't fit through the opening. And you got to get that opening wider. You got a big, big piece of equipment. You know what that like? It's like uh, you, got, you need a bigger opening. So you know maybe the the opening is there, but maybe in terms of our behaviors and some of our averas, maybe we don't fit through that opening. So by knocking on that gate and really expressing, I want to do tshuva, then Hashem says, okay, you know, I'll make that door a little wider. And as a result, we're then able to walk, to wide through. So it enhances the opportunity for a person in doing tshuva. The way I see it is this, that yeah, there's all different kinds of tshuva and the gate's open. But I might have to do certain things to walk through that gate so it's accessible to me. Or maybe my tshuva will go through that gate, but if I wanted to go through on a deeper level or on a more profound level, then I have to have a wider gate. So all i got to do is knock. So I want to do tshuva, and Hashem accepts us, makes the gate wider, and we go through it. I want to bring up one point, one of the reasons why I would have a problem with the gate is um, one of my New Year's resolutions is trying to lose some weight because I literally 10 years ago I would have been many pounds lighter than mm -hmm. I am now and it's just simply because it's I just you know go and go mm -hmm. and do and do and I do get my exercise so I would literally could never fit through a certain gate <laughs> because of that reason because I could have fit in 10 years ago and I realized hmm, now what, what led me to uh, put on the <coughs> what it is now. Mm -hmm. So, there, and I do recognize health problems. There, are, you know, which I'm trying to avoid and exercise and all that. But you get better to start doing it now because I don't want to. I like to lengthen my existence span, I so mean, to speak. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I can pertain to. Right. Uh, drop some baggage to get through that gate there. Okay. <laughs> can you like dig underneath it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, that's an interesting thing that um, the word mechila which is uh, one of the words for forgiveness, Mechalon. Rabbi Hursky Zichonali Rafa said that that word is related to the word tunnel. That Mochel is to tunnel. And what it means is that Hashem allows us the ability to tunnel our way back to Him. That's Mechila. That's not closed. 
we have to create an opening. We have to tunnel our way. So maybe if the door, right? Maybe if the particular door is closed that we'd like to go through. So okay, we're going to have to do some digging. It's a lot harder than opening up the door, but if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Actually, I've left a nice image. Mm -hmm. You have a you have a person's home. They're going to, and the door could be left ajar. Mm -hmm. And you could open whatever the screen door is and slip in. Versus going ahead and knocking on the door anyway and have that person come to the door and open the door wider and mm -hmm. say, we're so happy to see you. Oh, that's very nice. Difference. That was the image I saw. That's a nice image. Right. Like in Shemayim, there's a little crack, but then they open up and say, hey, come on in. Oh, nice right. to see you. It's a different, you can get through, but it's better if the whole door is wide. Very hot in there. Done that. <laughs> It's nice. That attaches more of a, of a welcoming kind yeah. of uh, emotion to it. Sounds good? Yeah. Okay. Emphasize the fact that when you knock, Hashem is the one that's actually widening the gate. Right. Okay. That's right. That's right. Okay, jump over to the next column now. Second paragraph down. And this comes from the daily Shemona Esrei. Still on page Reish Nun Ches. Hashiveinu avinu l'sorasecha, return us Hashem to your Torah. V'karveinu malkeinu l'avodasecha, and draw us near our King to your avoda. V'hachazireinu v'sheshuva shalemu l'fanecha, and return us, bring us back to teshuva, complete teshuva, before you. So you notice there are three things here. Bring us back to Torah, bring us near to Avoda, and then bring us to Teshuvah. Now in Shemona Esrei, the way this bracha concludes is Baruch Hashem HaRotzebi Teshuvah. Hmm. Blessed are you Hashem who wants Teshuvah. Uh, why don't we just say HaChizireinu V'Teshuvah Shleimu L'Fanecha? Why are we referring to Torah at the beginning of this? This, this bracha is about Teshuvah. So what's happening? B'Techila, at first, Tzrichin la'asos teshuva, one has to do teshuva k'dei lezakos Torah, in order to merit the Torah. That we, we first got to do something to get ourselves involved with the Torah. V'acharkach oraisa modas lechove. Then, once we're learning the Torah, the Torah will inform us, modas le, will inform us, chove, what our obligations are. And now we can do a complete teshuva. Because without the Torah, we really can't do a complete teshuva. What we can do is, all right, look, I want to do teshuva. What I know that I have to do is start to learn Torah. So I'm going to start to learn Torah. That's my first step in teshuva. That's the beginning. Now that I'm involved in Torah and I have started to understand what the Torah is teaching me, now, through the Torah's teachings, I can do a real teshuva. Because I've been informed by the Torah what a, a complete teshuva is. Without it, I'm kind of on my own. Now, how do I improve? How do I better my ways? I'm just going to have to try and figure it out. And uh, we're, we're, we're kind of like a ship without a rudder there. But once one is in the Torah, the Torah teaches us how to do teshuva. So first, bring us back to your Torah. Then once that's done, we can get to, notice the Lashon, teshuva shlema. 
a complete teshuva, that, that is a result of the Torah's teachings. Closet. Closet. Standing alone? In the closet. closet. The closet. They're saying you're going to go in the closet here. <laughs> <laughs> but check, the chair. check the chair, though. Knock on the door. <laughs> 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 well, now, but, but so is he dealing with the fact that the brock is to God who allows us to do tshuva. Yeah, Baruch HaTosh HaMaretz So why are we saying first, bring me back to your Torah? Why don't we just say, um, please Hashem help me do tshuva? And then Baruch HaTosh HaMaretz Why is Torah there? Why is Avodah there? So it's really because in order to get to tshuva, that's got to come first. In order to get to tshuva shlema, because notice the language is, Ba'achazireinu b'tshuva shlema, so I can do aspects of tshuva, but without the Torah and without avoda, I will not be able to get to a tshuva shlema, a complete and whole tshuva. It's going to be lacking unless I'm guided by the Torah and by the avoda that I do. Which almost goes back to the first one. How's that on it? Well, again, we are talking by our mm-hmm. actions. Some of our actions helps us mm-hmm. to open that door for that closeness mm-hmm. that will cause us to favorably from Shemayim, mm-hmm. a desire there to be close to us also. Very good. Mm-hmm. Any other questions, Alan? If he doesn't, he doesn't address the, the metal. Avoda? Right. No. I think it's kind of understood that that also was part of um, mm-hmm. reaching to a true shlema. By doing the Torah, by learning the Torah, and by doing the Avoda, then that draws us to a Teshuvah Shlema. That's how I understood yeah, it. That's like, yeah, that's like that um, the Torah can guide you on what to be busy with in order to do Teshuvah. Yes. In my uh, my effort to do Teshuvah, I could be doing like really off-base stuff. Right. So, all right, you want to do a Teshuvah Shlema, okay, here's the blueprint, the learning, what you need to learn, and that'll give me direction what what to do in order to do what it is to do teshuva? Mm-hmm. What's the right path? How to rectify? Right. I think that's the idea. Are we in a comment? It seems like we have a recurring theme in the three. The awakening from below, and then then something coming down from above. From above. Right. Yeah, we do see that theme. And also the fact that the gate is open always. The gate of tshuva is open always. That there is a kind of steady awakening from above. We have to take advantage of it, and we can expand it and make it stronger. But the fact that that gate is always open is some type of a hisoverus from above. That's similar to the chachamim that says every day a baskol comes out and says to the Jewish people, "Shuvu vanim shalvavim," you know, return wayward children. So our neshama experiences this baskal, this heavenly voice, in a spiritual way every single day that comes out. As a matter of fact, I think it's about Tanya who writes that when the Chazal say that even Rishonim have thoughts of doing teshuva, that that's where it comes from. Their thoughts of teshuva come from that baskal, which is telling them in some very deep recess of their personality to teshuva. Yes, thank you. Um, in some ways, um, it seems like Yom Kippur is a yanta for the Shabbos. It's both. Shabbos, Shabbos, son. So yeah. it's the, maybe that's why the recurring theme of 
of arousal from below and coming from uh, on high, both of those, mm -hmm. the, the merger of both. Mm -hmm. Which is like Shabbos. No. Is that what you mean? No, Shabbos is from, from on above. high given. Right, but we have to participate in it. But it's there, it's coming from above, but according to what we do with it, uh -huh. the, great, the greatness of the Shabbos is determined by that. I guess the image I have, maybe incorrectly, mm -hmm. is that Shabbos comes from above. We have to create a keli just okay. to catch it, right? Um, as opposed to we got to do stuff, and then it makes the rain come, right? And that's yantif. Yantif is yes. we got to do stuff, right. and that makes mm -hmm. um, the the um, the shefa uh, come. Down. So it seems like. Yom Kippur is a yontif where we've got to do certain things. Um, at the same time, there's already a shefa coming. Coming down. Both of those at the, an interesting the, thought. the same mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Maybe it has qualities of both. Yeah, yes, Ken? I, I've been uh, trying to think about um, the organization of uh, the daily slichas. So, you know, we, we say a slicha. And then we say the uh, Yugimel Right. So in a sense, it strikes me that that's also this. Uh, you know, even though maybe in one sense we're we're saying it to reassure ourselves that, despite the fact that we're pitiful, you know, sinners, mm -hmm. that that in fact, you know, uh, God is full of mercy and uh, and so forth. Has him. So, but maybe that's also the voice of Shemayim. You know, coming down that it, it, that that those yud gimel midos come down in direct proportion to the the uh, the effort that we put in in you know big begging. And the first step before this is a very beautiful thought mm -hmm. that may, maybe the yud gimel midos harach. I mean, is, is, is like a response. No, from, yeah, well, that's from, what I was from about. I don't know whether I mean I thought it was our response, right. but maybe it's right. also right. That's a very beautiful thought. Mm -hmm. it's a nice thought. Which comes yeah. first? Right. Which comes first? Yeah, really. Speaking of which, could you um, digress for a moment and sort of address the idea that, of the Yudhya Wamidos of the special significance of the sleepless today, and why we do Tashlip today, and why it's something like to do that? What's it? Expand upon that, that idea and the, it's, the particular quality of today. Sort of uh, it, it's really related in this way that the, the Tashlip that we do is based on the Yudhya Wamidos itself. Right. So the, the psukim that we say, Mikel Kamofa, Nasayavon, Overo Pesha, those psukim are in direct relationship to the Yudgim Midas And then we also refer to them in some of the Tfilos in Tashla. And I think the idea is that it is those Midos that allow us to, so to speak, cast our sins aside. Because Hashem's Rachim, His complete Rachim, is upon us, now we have this opening to say, okay, goodbye to our Averus. So we choose the day of Slichos where the central pismon of the Slicha is the one called Yud Gilomidos And that gives us the Koach with the Koach of Tashlif to be able to cast our Averus aside. That's how I've understood it. Even though the Yud Gilomidos are said every day of Slichos, but on this particular day it's the central one, the one that we say responsibly well, in the Slicha. Uh, Expanding on Franklin and Ken's idea, uh, maybe the Slifos that we read ha uh, and the Yud Gimel Midas that we read in Slifos 
maybe they too are, are sort of answering qualities of the arousal mm -hmm. from below and arousal mm -hmm. from above, and maybe there's a kind of convergence right. in, 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 right. that, in that fact that we're, we're doing both right. things. Right, very nice, and I think very possible. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between shuva and shuva I think the difference is this, that shuva means that a person is involved in the process. We are bettering ourselves for trying to take care of what we've done wrong. And anything that we do along those lines is called shuva. Whereas shuva shalema means that we, we really have completed the process. Ultimately, that really is, to, to say that's ge'ula, that's redemption. It's more like, more like Mashiach. Teshuvah Shlema really is like the, the top, it's the top of the ladder. So we're davening to Teshuvah Shlema, please help us to complete our tshuva. Two things. One is the involvement in every step of the way, and Shuva Shlema is the completion of the process. That's how I would see the difference. Yes, Neil? I was just going to say the first line would be you learn yeah. about the yearning down here brings a, a yearning up Shalaya. Yes. But it, it also comes like if you don't pay attention what's going on down here, that they're going to be happy, you know, heaven's going to be knocking on your shoulder to make you yearn for them in another way. Yeah, something's going to happen to, uh, it, could, it could either be a little kick in the pants, you know, God forbid, or um, it could be like someone putting their arm around you and say, hey. So perhaps what he means that when we do it down here and yearn for it, then that creates maybe a, gen a gentler mm. welcoming, you know, a yearning for a please, come on in. If we don't, have that yearning and then they have to do something to us to kind of jar us into that that's not such a pleasant experience so yeah it's going to happen either way but we like it to happen in a way which is more pleasant better to come in through the front door than have to crawl in through the bathroom window <laughs> right or all that digging right, right. <laughs> we get inside long as we get in wipe the dirt off yeah. <laughs> Yes, you know, if you walk in the front door, you might get a front row seat, but if you fall in through, you know, whatever other way, then you know, you'll be stuck in the back with the, uh, the other schleppers. You could end up right on the stage, though. You know, uh -huh. you're talking, like, you don't know where you're going. <laughs> might be your work. Rabbi Friends, uh, some years ago in his Jupiter, I should yes. a very moving story about uh, the discovery of a, of a mikveh in the Warsaw Ghetto. The only way to get to it was to crawl across several buildings under underground mm. um, but the hundreds of people that uh, to be told over they used to for you okay yes Josh um, there were two things mm. there was saying something about the the, the Soros coming both ways uh, the Shabbos you know the Shabbos comes whether you like them every seven days but there's a union by by the Yom Tovim that they're actually because the base didn't have to pre-win to make the photos, right? Uh, that's really uh, that's something. It's in our hands, it's in our hands, right? Um, I was wondering uh, with another topic about aspect. Uh, you know, Describe the difference between uh, the distinction between shuva and shuva shlema, but uh, shuva shlema seems like a higher level than the Rambam's shuva gemora. Even
somewhere in between those two? Because I don't know. Yes. Yeah. And then the the, uh, the other Rambam there that says it's when the Yodea Talumos, when the one who knows the hidden secrets of the human being, Hashem, when he knows that you that this person will never do that Avera again. Right. So why is he saying both things? You know, and apparently there is another level. And maybe there is such a feeling. He look. reached the point where he wouldn't even think, of he wouldn't even think about it. Right. He wouldn't even think about doing that again. As opposed to you're in a situation, you hold yourself back, you restrain, you don't do it. That's definitely tshuva. But then there's another level where you're just completely uh, beyond it. If you get to the point where you wouldn't even think of doing such and such an era, then. Well, that's not the, that's not a it's not a Nisayan anymore. Right. So now right. you raise the level of a higher level. Of right. right. And, and requires new Nisayanas. Yes, David. I just, I had an observation from the doctor. Yes. Because I, um, when you're the bread doesn't flow. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, well, first of all, on the bridge, the men and women were do dominating on separate sides okay. of the bridge. So I thought that it would make more sense for a husband and wife to dominate together because of, of what the message is of Tashler. Because there are things also in you know that have happened in the, in the relationship, maybe during the past year, that you want to share in casting off. So that was... I, is there like a halakha that says men have to be on one side and women have to be on the other? This is what it would be. that There's, no, there's not a problem for a husband and wife to say Tashlif together if they're alone. Mm -hmm. But once you have a gathering of people, then you have more of a tzibur. And a tzibur is really not supposed to daven with men and women mixed. That's no longer an individual experience. That becomes more of a communal experience. And once the communal experience is what's happening, they, sh they should be separated. So I assume if, if there, you're telling me there were, there were you know, larger amounts of people there, yeah. that's why they did that, because it became more of a communal experience. No. But if you wanted to like go aside, you know, and go walk uh, you know, 100 feet away or whatever to, to say that t together with your wife, that's absolutely fine. Or they could walk 100 feet away and let my wife and I be there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the other thing is, is it a minhag to throw the bread in? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the Because um, no one else was throwing bread in. Well, on Yom Tov, perhaps people don't do it. So I don't do Tashlach on Yom Tov. I do it today. So <clears throat> it's, it could be that on Yom Tov is a problem if there's, if there's fish in there. Are there fish in there? In that stream? In the Western world, there's, there's ducks. There's bacteria. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there are ducks. Rabbi Heinemann puts live fish in there. Still does that? Yeah. So, but they're dead at the time. Well, they certainly don't stay there. If they would, that's why we're going to put them in the Western right. part of the stream. You're not supposed to feed um, wild animals um, on Shabbos or Yom Tov. Okay, so that's probably why they don't. I couldn't figure out what I did wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta go do it again. <laughs> do you use bread? Yes, I did. Holy. What's that? I'll turn that around. You know, Luffy, that's what the purchase bread. And then, uh, uh, somebody 
Not Jewish? Oh, during the Aseris he made tshuva. That's for that's an Aseris he made tshuva. Even even if a person eats bread from a non-Jewish bakery during the year, which is kosher as long as the ingredients are kosher. During during the Aseris he made tshuva, you're supposed to eat pasis raw, bread baked by Jews. Um, it's the halacha which is to say that if you can, if you're able, mm-hmm. it is brought down that if you're in a situation where you're not able, then mm-hmm. then you don't have to. So if, you, yeah. if you ate in a restaurant, um, yeah. on the hashkacha, could you rely uh, on the fact that a restaurant? It depends on the hashkacha. Like star, the star K um, is the pasis hashkacha. Oh. Yeah, that means to say that a Jewish person is lighting the oven, because that's all you have to have to have pasties roll. I don't know if the other hashkachas um, have that standard. The more you know, of uh, that it has to be lit by a Jew, but uh, Starkey does. As far as I know, pasties roll versus pasakum, which is a, a bread uh, baked by a Gentile, but more specifically pas palter. That means a professional. Gentile, like a bakery or uh, a restaurant, where they're bra- they're baking bread in a professional, in a commercial. That's where I'm looking for, in a commercial context. So it's mutter. You're allowed to eat pas palter in general. If there's a non-Jewish bakery and they make good bread and you want it, you know, as long as the ingredients are kosher, like any other thing, you're allowed to eat it. But it's better to eat bread that's baked by a Jew. Pas Yisrael. That's what that is. What is known as pas Yisrael, either baked by a Jew or at least the okay. oven is lit by a Jew. Then, that, then that qualifies for pas Yisrael. Or the Jew puts the bread in the oven. He has to do something, okay. which is significant Active. there. Yeah. So pas Yisrael. Right, pas Yisrael. Okay. Let's take a look at one more. Um, let's go to page Reish Samach Gimel. We'll actually do two. I'll, I'll read them consecutively. Page Reis Samach Gimel, the right column, one, two, three paragraphs down. Binu Shinos Dor Vador. It's the second one that says Binu Shinos Dor Vador. Bechol, it says, this is coming from our parsha this week, Ha'azinu. <coughs> binu means look into, like the word Bina. The, the years of each and every generation, look into it. In every generation and in every period of time, there comes a new understanding of Torah, min hashamayim, from heaven. Shahi matima lador, and that understanding of Torah is fitting for that particular generation. So even though the letters look the same, but every generation, and he says in the previous mimer every year there's a new understanding of that Torah which is flowing down from heaven and that understanding has not been here before the tzaddikim koldor mevinim b'torah and the tzaddikim of each generation who understand the Torah kefima shadorush according to that which they're able to darshan from I mean to really get out of it l'lamed es hador to teach the people of that generation the relevant messages of Torah. So each door requires a binu, a hispodinus, to reflect upon what's new about the Torah this year. He says it's there. It is it is coming down from Shemayim. We have to tap into it. 
That's one thought. And the second one, yes, sir? Is that perhaps a, uh, an insight to the, to the minhag of Shabbos Shuvah Russian? It, it could very well be that there's a, a new Torah coming down at this point, and it's time to try and get the message of this year. Yeah. And this quote is from? That, the one we, we just learned? Yeah, Venus just over there. That comes from Parsha Saizina. This week's Parsha. Uh-uh. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So then the next one right after that is that this is a a strong a sharp a sharp insight. In the generation of the Baal Shem, there were those people who sat and they learned Torah day and night. I mean that's all they did is they studied Torah. But they were content with their learning. And the Ba'ashem could not stand that. He could not bear that. That they were content, a better word is complacent. That they were learning all the time, but they were complacent and you might say too satisfied in their learning. And about this, the Pasuk says, Vayishman Yishurun Vayivat. That when Yishurun, the Jewish people, become too fat, Vayivat, then they kick, they rebel. This is a very stark uh, word of Musr, because usually that Pasuk, Vayishman Yishurun Vayivat, that's talking about people who get overly, you know, materialistic. We live in a world of plenty and start to do Averis. Or to kick against Hashem because we have so much good. Now the Baal Shem, the Chirush Arim is saying that Vayishman Yeshur and Vayivat can apply to people who are full of Torah, learning by day and by night, but they're just so satisfied with their level that eventually that's going to lead them to kick. Too much resting on one's laurels. And he says that's what the Baal Shem despised. He, he really didn't like that. The people who were learning all the time, but they were resting on their laurels and complacent in the Torah. They weren't trying for anything greater. So, the, yeah. it's kind of like, it's interesting that there's this theme that runs through everything. That if you're, if you're sitting there and learning, and you're not out there in the world risking anything, you're not growing, well then you can, you can technically say, well, I've achieved, you know, this complete complacent in learning, they could be complacent in working, 
They can be complacent in their job. This idea that one can become content and complacent, I think doesn't have to do with the atmosphere, it has to do with the person. And the way I understand his criticism is that it was the manner in which they were learning. Not that they weren't out in the world. They were learning Torah. That was their lot, that's fine. But their manner of learning was not such that it challenged them to higher levels of being. And therefore, just sitting down, comfortable. I don't know how comfortable they were physically. They were in the Eastern Europe 200 years ago. I don't think it was so comfortable. <laughs> but, so to speak, sitting down, comfortable, got your sforim, learning all day. So the idea about exposing oneself to risk, I mean, one has to be really careful and evaluate to what extent they can or they can't. But I think his point here is that no matter where you are, even if you're in the base midrash, if you're, if you're not challenging yourself to, to grow to higher levels, then that's just kind of like sitting around and getting, and getting fat. And that could happen in any context of life. They just took their lunchbox to work, they sat down, right. did their reading, right. walked home right. at the end of the night. Right. But, yeah. is there a I'm sure of Urbali Madrega too. But, but he saw there was some kind of complacency there. Isn't there a concept of, of, of the purpose of, of learning of Torah and That could be, that it was a lack of teaching it to others and just kind of holding it on to themselves. Or, you know, yeah. or even uh, you know, somebody saying, well, I'm learning, so I can't be bothered with mm-hmm. helping that guy. With right, his, right. Uh, I had an interesting question <laughs> over the last two yes, yes. Um, uh, they, that um, the quarterly figures uh, on unemployment showed that unemployment was slightly down, but then uh, uh, in the last quarter or something. Then an economist got on and he said that he thought it reflected that how many people had given up looking. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, in a certain sense, mm-hmm. it, uh, you know, the, the whole idea perhaps of, um, of uh, you know, we can learn without the idea of a belief, of faith, that the Torah can grow us. We, uh, without, we, have without to have that. we can really change. That's your car.